Hi, my name is Jeff Pagano, and thanks for tuning in to the Harpen on Rugby podcast. HarpenOnRugby.net is an unofficial fan site for Leinster and Ireland rugby, with write-ups every Monday after matches, and regular coverage of the latest news and opinion via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and of course this pod. If you haven't already, please subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as a host of other platforms. With the new season about to kick off, I assembled a panel of fellow Leinster fans for our first ever pod of four to discuss the careers of recently retired Leinster stars, as well as looking ahead to the futures of the boys in blue in particular and the league in general. So without any further ado, here's how we got on. Now it's time for our back and forward chat. And with the new season for Leinster Rugby about to kick off, I'm joined by three fellow fans to look back a bit, but mostly to look forward. First making his eighth appearance on the pod is Mr. Connor Cronin. Welcome, sir. Thanks very much for having me again. No problem. And next, earning cap number three, coming to us all the way from Gibraltar, is Mr. Richard Mifsud. Hello to you, sir. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And last, but certainly not least, we have a debutante on the pods. He has written several Harpen articles over the years, including one just last weekend, which was entitled, Whether It's the Euro Loss or the Perfect Pro 14, Leinster Shouldn't Overreact. A warm welcome to the pod to Mr. Kevin O'Brien. Hello, sir. Jeff, how are you? Lads, good okay. to be here. Yeah, indeed. Talk all things Leinster. That's it. Um, now, of course, uh, we all know, lads, that is um, uh, International Podcast Day. So, um, you know, salutations and best wishes to the day for all of you. You all knew that. Yeah, you all had your party hats on there in the, on the video there. It's all good. Um, and of course, that made me wanted to also check what other days it was. So um, it's also uh, International Hot Mulled Cider Day. He said holding up a mug as if there was cider in it, but there isn't. I'll drink uh, to that. Yeah, indeed. Um, it's also Thunderbirds Day, so we can all show our ages by knowing what that was. Uh, How are you talking? Anderson. <laughs> Tracy's. The Tracy's. <laughs> and finally, it's uh, Ask a Stupid Question Day. So there you go. So that, that makes me. Where did you find all of these? <laughs> well, see, that last one makes me wonder if we need to ask uh, do we have too many days? Um, but uh, too many names for days. But uh, yeah, no, there's a, there, um, there's a website for everything, man. <laughs> you, just, you just get on the Google uh, what names for days and you have it in seconds. You know? But anyway, listen. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, just to lay out how we're going to approach this chat, the uh, Pro 14 Triumph and the Saracens reversal may be fresh in our minds, but the purpose of this pod um, is what we're going to do is we're going to act as though both those things happened back in April and May like they were supposed to, which means we've all had the summer to put them behind us, and now we're ready to start a new campaign. Mm -hmm. I'll do that, can't we, lads? Yeah, of course we yep. can. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. Right, so to start our order of business today, we're going to pay some tribute to a couple of great Leinster players who sadly were unable to get the kind of on-pitch send-off that we would have wanted. So we'll just have to do it in form of a pod as best as we can instead. Um, first up, we have Mr. Fergus McFadden. And I'll just start by giving, um, just giving his, his, his stats. Yeah, for Leinster, 184 caps, uh, 444 points. That include tries, conversions, penalties, even a drop goal. And for Ireland, 34 caps and 10 tries. So um, we'll start with you, Connor. What what what'd you make of Fergus's career? Uh, I honestly believe Ferg was the kind of player everyone needed in their team. You needed somebody who could step up and and, and deliver what you needed him to deliver. Um, you know, he didn't always have exceptional games. He was not the Galactico of the team by any means, but he was somebody who stood up and delivered every single time. And he did what was asked of him. And he was a real squad player. You know, he knew that, okay, I might not get an Ireland call this time, but then if I don't, I've got five weeks to prove why I maybe should have got an Ireland call or why I deserved to be right up there in the mix for one. Um, and I think he always just, he put the work in, he put the head down, um, and I think he saved he saved Leinster one, more than once with a late penalty or a late conversion that meant, made the difference for us. Yeah, he was he was kind of a um, at the risk of saying like sort of jack of all trades kind of thing. He um, he he really did fill fill play a lot of roles for us, and he looked when he came up as though he was gonna, you know. Like when all these new players came through and they impressed for a couple of games, those were those were in the days when we might have one of them a year or, or two yeah. new players a year. It's not like every week like it is now, but you know, um, he did look like he he always looked like he had a big future ahead of him. Um, what what did you make of him, Rich? Uh, I have to agree totally with Connor. 
Um, he's, you know, I, I, I don't like these Galacticos uh, teams uh, simply because they are teams. And you, you can't always have the Leo Messi uh, because there's 10 other guys making sure that Leo Messi has a good game as well, you know. And, it, it, you know, in our sport, especially, which is probably the epitome of all the uh, team sports, um, you know, Ferg is, or was now, um, you know, an invaluable cog in the big Leinster machine. Um, I, I, you know, for me, I, I, I've always, he's always been one of my favourite players, probably because, A, he always wore his, his heart on his sleeve, uh, but also his, his, you know, his guts and his gumption and, you know, how many turnovers did he get? You know, yeah, yeah. A, a flanker territory. Uh, but he was there. He was there. Oh, I suppose he, he wore the headband, so he had to prove something. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, but that's the kind of player he is uh, or, or was. Um, you know, so, so when the guy is giving you 110% every match, okay, he's not, you know, he hasn't got scintillating pace. He hasn't got, you know, the swerve that perhaps Jordan Lama has and, ne and never would have had. But I think I put that in when I, when I commented on, on, on the post that he put up. You know, if I was going to a fight, I know who I'd like next to me. Mm. <laughs> you know, and he, wear, and, he, and he used to wear one of those headbands. Yeah, he, knew, he know, certainly I, didn't I, I, mind getting stuck in, all right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, he'd go, he got a few cards along the way. He, he used oh. to cause a bit of controversy. But, you know, that can be a good thing. You know, it can be someone to rile up the team and get them, get them motivated. There was some on a rainy night in Newport, uh, Friday night in Newport, when you need a bit of, uh, you know, things aren't going your way, you know, and you need to get the team going. He's, there's many times he did that, like, you know. Um, so, Kevin, what did you, what, what did you make of Ferg? Well, as a fellow Curra man, I always had a soft spot for Ferg. Um, you know, kind of, we, we had a similar background, kind of military fathers and kind of grew up on the Curra, chasing the sheep around the place. Um, but, um, and it was for a love of rugby, grew probably in the Curra Rugby Club. But um, echoing what the guy said, he was a wholehearted player who gave everything he had every time he played for Leinster. And, you know, there's been a lot of discussion since... Um, Ireland's defeats to England, Leinster's defeats to Saracens, that players are gone maybe a bit soft or a bit um uh, they're you know they're not as 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 Bod said that the, the dog is not in them. Now the dog was definitely in Ferg and he was the type of guy that would fight for the cause regardless whether you're thirty points down or thirty points up, he gave you the same wholehearted commitment. Um, I believe at one stage some of the guys online used to call him Ferg clothesline McFadden. So you know he got in a bit of trouble for a couple of high tackles and that kind of thing. Mm. But that's the kind. That's what you got with him. You, yeah. you got the tries. You got drop goals. You got conversions. He played centre, but uh, you know he played fullback. He played on the wing. He played out half on a couple of occasions. Um, he was a wholehearted guy who gave everything. Yeah, he gave away a couple of other cards. But by jeepers, I, I would want him by my side if I was in the trenches. Definitely. And on the subject of his position, um, anyone, if anyone wants to jump in on this one, um, he like he, he played mostly on the wing, but like you said, he played a lot of different positions. If he was at another province or in another, or if he came up in another team, another country in another team, and just came up in another team on his own, and he was kind of the best player, which he easily could have been. He could have been in a lot of teams, maybe even the Premiership and stuff where. They, they, he'd be good enough that he'd have his position and he'd be the first name on the team sheet. He was just um, sort of unlucky in that respect, like a lot of players were, that they were at Leinster for this. Well, what position do you think would have been his best? Would it have been on the wing or where, where do you think he would have been? I've always thought he was a misplaced centre. Um, I always believed, when you look, as Rich was saying, you know, things like turnovers and stuff like that, I, the way he ran even, it wasn't always at space. Sometimes he went looking for a contact, which is a much more center thing to do than a wing thing to do. I think he just, um, I, I think if he'd had opportunity maybe to focus on just one position, he might've had more caps or more game time. Um, but again, though, that, that sense of versatility and utility to, to use the, the term, um, I, I think that's what, kept him going as long as he has that you could put him in anywhere yeah, yeah well he, he didn't have the blistering pace like to be an out and out winger as such 
but um, I, I tend to agree. He came, he came up in Leinster at a time when he had one of the best centre partnerships ever, be it in international rugby, uh, Heineken Cup rugby, Pro 14 rugby, behind Darcy and O'Driscoll. And he was never going to break that, that gap. So he made the most of what he had. He played where he was told to play, ultimate team player. But for, for me, he, he was a, a centre, most definitely. Yeah, I agree with the lads. Centre yeah. for me. Yeah. yeah, it's just the way rugby is. Like, I mean, when he came up, I mean, um, Darcy and Draco were there. They, were, they weren't going anywhere in the Ireland team. And um, like you say, Ferg, he's, he's the kind of personality that uh, whatever position, whatever job he's got to do for the team of the day, He'll do it. I mean, uh, he he'd go in a tight head prop if you if you put him in there. Um, he was the, he's, he's he's that kind of player and he's that kind of fighting him. No, it's it was definitely and it's you know like for the same with both of these guys. It's just a shame that we didn't have a. Like he was injured for this little block just here, and it would have been great to have a game, even if we couldn't physically go to it, just to have mm-hmm. a game to give him a send off and see him one last yeah. time. But uh, listen, we we wish him all the best, and um, you, he's been known he's been known to do a cheeky tweet or two over the years and I'm sure we haven't seen the last of him and he'll be there thereabouts um, in the future so um, so so best wishes to Ferg from all of us um, so we're going to move along now to uh, Mr. Carney who definitely hasn't finished we just found out the last couple of days exactly where he's headed um, he's also he also went to Congo's Woods on top of uh, on top of uh, you know, coming from the, we, we always hear about the GAA background, but uh, his Leinster career was uh, 219 appearances, uh, 238 points, and for Ireland, 95 appearances. Uh, shame he didn't get the 100, but uh, that's how it goes, uh, 82 points. And then, of course, a uh, few appearances for the Lions as well. So, uh, Richard, take it away on, on Mr. Mr. Rob Carney. Mr. Rob Carney, uh, uh, I'll show you this first. Oh, very good. <laughs> Is his, uh, his um, laptop uh, screensaver, or the, uh, um, you know, a class act. Um, he is the the way that I, um, you know, my my thoughts on him are a safe pair of hands. I know it's it's a, it's a cliche, um, but you know, I I suppose I draw a parallel with a good goalkeeper. You know, a high cross comes in, the goalkeeper jumps up, grabs the ball safely, and everybody goes, and, and that's what Rob Carney brought to the team. Um, he brought a, an incredible amount of uh, security at the back. His spatial awareness was just unbelievable. He could, I think, I think he could probably smell <laughs> where the fly half or, or the scrum half was going was gonna to kick the ball to uh, so that he would be there uh, anticipating it. You know the the problem I think that that you get from from watching uh, the sport, especially on, on on television, especially nowadays, because they just want to focus. You know, they just want to see the um, the the action as they as they see it. But you know, I'm forever. If you ever sit next to me watching a match on telly, I'm forever swearing at the bloody telly, t- t- telling them to you know pull back. I want to see what what's happening in the, on the pitch because you know it's like a chess game, and. What you never see, sadly, on the television, but you see when you go and watch it live, is the amount of movement, you know, the running. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The amount of cover, that, you know, he's forever reading the game. Um, and, you know, he's got stats coming out of the kazoo. Uh, thankfully for him, he's got this uh, uh, new um, role down at Western Force. Which is interesting. Uh, let, let's see how that pans out, especially uh, you know, following the news coming out today about the the, the Safa teams not going to form part of Super Rugby, so it's going to be like a trans Tasman uh, type of competition. Moving on, um, so let, let's see how many years he's he's got left in him. I think probably managed. He's probably got another couple of years in him easily. Um, I think I'd just like to finish by. You know, my undying memory of Rob Carney is five minutes at the Stade Marcel Michelin against Clermont. And he turned that game on, on its head in five minutes. Uh, you know, scored that unbelievable drop goal from, Christ knows, about 40, 45 metres, you know, and, and that turned the game on its head. And from Not even on, didn't even have a thought doing it as well. well no, 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 no. He, those he just, those he, drop goals are amazing. He's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to pop this over. And yeah, make, off you, know, off you go, you know, and, and, and that was it. You know, that, that is the undying memory I have of, of Rob Canley. I, I know a lot of people 
uh, have this thing of him flying through the air. But you know, but that, you know, the the, the ability to see that opportunity and to take it, you know, the courage to take it. Um, and the, the other good thing about him, because you know he, he he is a class act, was his ability to you know he drops a goal, uh, a ball, a high ball, and and that's it. It's happened. He's back on 100% again. You brush it you off, know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the confidence, a lot of people play on confidence, as, as, as we know. And you drop a ball, and then you become edgy when the next ball is coming. He, he, you know, he might drop a ball, but he, he'd catch the, the other 10 that were coming after that, because that's the kind of player he was. Anyway, shut up now. No, no, you're, no, you're grand. No, he's, uh, no, I mean, the safe pair of hands, I mean, it is a cliche, but it when it, when the cap fits, I mean, it's like teams would actually... Their whole strategy for a game would 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 vary depending on whether or not he was playing fullback. You know, if they they so they're going to go the aerial route. They'll say, well, let's wait and see what team they put out first. If Rob's there, we're literally going to have to do a completely different game. Like, um, so what what did you make of him, Kev? Well, you echo a lot of what Rich was saying there. Um, I mean, the ultimate praise you can give him is that he he brought confidence to the team. I mean, last night of defence. If a ball was put up, you knew nine times out of ten he was going to read it, he was going to catch it. Um, fair enough, he wasn't, you know, running back 50 metres with the ball most of the time. But he did what he was supposed to do. He did it so well. Um, he was world-class, uh, I don't mind saying it, uh, in, in what he did. And, um, and I, I think it's kind of sad in a way that some people in the country kind of used to groan when you'd see Rob Carney's name playing. Time and time again, he came back and proved his undoubted world class for me. Um, no more than when we bet the All Blacks. Um, you know, he, he was just, you know, class personified. Um, he, one of my favourite players at Leinster for that successful period um, because of the assurance he gave us. He read the game so well. Um, he communicated so well with the back three. You're always talking to people, pulling them in, making sure they're in right positions. And that, that's, that, that's invaluable in a team. To know you have that in the backfield, to know you have that level of communication, that level of organisation, it's an absolute credit. You only have to see kind of what's going on with a little bit of uncertainty in, in the back three with Ireland and Leinster at the moment. Um, and that, we get that back. But, you know, we kind of took it for granted when Rob was there that, you know, we had this. As you said, um, Jeff, teams, if he was playing, it dictated how teams would play against us. They, they weren't going to chance the high ball too often because they knew he would clean up. Um, yeah. So, you know, in a sense, it helped our team prepare uh, to play the opposition. Um, he, he was just, just a, a, a fantastic player. Definitely. One of my favorites. Yeah, and he and he he went for his career like it spanned such a an important uh, length of time for Leinster. I mean, he came up, and made his debut in uh, two thousand five, um, which is you know it's amazing. That, that, and and then he he but he was he was in the team by the time we Leinster went through their their big spell, and um, it just it, and then just everything that's happened since. I mean, just an amazing career, Connor, isn't it? Yeah, and you only have to look at. The amount of trophies he's won, and, and and there it is. You know, there there's the proof that the most decorated rugby player from Ireland in in the history of the game, and possibly, I I would argue he's got to be one of the most decorated players in the world, with four Heineken Cups, Challenge Cup, is it six Pro Fourteen titles, uh, two two Grand Slams, um, a couple of Triple Crowns, a couple of championships thrown in there. He's done everything. He's won everything except a Lions tour. Um, and he's just been a phenomenal servant for, for Leinster and for Ireland in his, again, you know, it's, it's a bit like we were saying with Ferg, you know, that commitment to the jersey. You know, he could have said, he could have been looking the last number of weeks and saying, I'm not getting my game for these couple of finals and quarterfinals and whatever else. So I'll just, I'll half-ass it at training. But there was none of that. It's it's commitment to the team and to being part of what they were part of and part of building something more and part of improving the players coming in behind them. And players always talk about wanting to leave the jersey in a better state than you got it. And 100%, that 15 jersey, whether it's in green or in blue or in lion's red, is better 
for Rob Carney having worn it. Definitely. And uh, you say you say safe pair of hands, but uh, sure, even he wouldn't be able to hold all those medals at once, like yeah. dropping them. That was a lot of, uh, it's just amazing um, uh, amount of success. And uh, he, he's a great... Props used the, all those medals as uh, as weight training for their necks. Yes, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. And uh, so, of course, we wish him all the best um, in um, down in Australia. I mean, it's a great opportunity for him. Um, hopefully, hopefully, he'll be able to actually play out in Perth because that's one of the reasons they're getting him out there. They want to, there's an Irish community out there they're trying to tap into as well. There's a lot going on there. So um, it's a great opportunity for him. He's got, you know, it. He, because he's one of those players that uses his experience, he he sees things before they happen. So he, a player like him wouldn't, would, wouldn't expend, probably even expend as much energy. He could go three or four more years, like, um, you know, and some, someone in his position, like, you know, and uh, he's just got a lot of lot, lot of opportunities for him out there. So we, we definitely, definitely wish him all the best. So, yeah, that's great. That's Rob. And, um, you know, again, same as him, himself and Fur. We didn't get a chance to see them play, um, you know, to finish up. But I'm sure there's plenty of memories um, and uh, YouTube clips and all that kind of stuff for us to, to go back and look over their careers. So um, I'm glad we had the chance to, uh, to talk about them before we move on to next season, which we are going to do now. And uh, we're going to talk about the new um, season. So we're going to talk about the new season, and I hope you just I want you to bear with me for a bit because I just want to read this into the record. Uh, this is a little thing I prepared about the Pro 14. Okay, so this this is going to take a, a couple of minutes, but uh, you'll see what I'm doing, and, I, and we can start the conversation on the back of this. You'll see where I'm going as I'm reading this out. Um, in 2001-2002 season, it was called the Celtic League. It had three nations, 15 clubs, in two pools and playoffs. The 0203 season, three nations, 16 clubs, two pools, and playoffs. 0304, three nations, 12 clubs, one league. From 0405 to 0607, three nations, 11 clubs, one league. And in the last year there, it changed to the Magnus League. From 0708 to 0809, three nations, 10 clubs, one league. 910, three nations, 10 clubs, one league, and playoffs. Now, this, this period, you could almost call this an era for the league, 10-11 to 16-17, four nations, 12 clubs, one league, and playoffs. So in the middle of that, they changed it to the Rabo Pro 12. <laughs> then in 2017-18, it became the Pro 14, the Guinness Pro 14, five nations, 14 clubs, two conferences, and playoffs. And then last season, 2019-20, you had the COVID-19, which somehow managed to both shorten and lengthen the season at the same time. So they, we, we, we'll forgive them for the changes there. But now um, we're starting a new season with officially five nations. It's still the Pro 14, but there's 12 teams starting off. So, and, and now we're talking, now it's going to be 16 down the line. So... I suppose my question is, um, huh, Kevin? I, I think the first thing. Oh, sorry, Ke Ke Kevin, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean that, that's one of the problems. With it. Like, huh? What? What is it? Uh, what has it been? What is it going to be? Um, and this has been part of the problem. The, the, the league is of an identity crisis to a degree. Um, always trying to change, trying to evolve, without settling on a structure. Now, don't get me wrong. I I enjoy it. I am a fan of Pro 14 rugby. I love watching my team playing week in, week out. I like the fact that they can chop and change the team and uh, and do things like that. But it's not everyone's cup of tea. And the way the constantly changing structure has given its critics plenty of ammunition to say, this thing is a Mickey Mouse league. It's always changing. It's never, you know, it's there's never a settled structure in it. It's not like the top 14. It's always compared to the Premiership, the top 14. Why can't we be? Why can't we be like that? Um, given the nature of what it is, it can't be. It's a it's a cross border league. Um, four nations, five nations, whatever is going to be inv involved in it. So there's going to be give and take in it, um, and it 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 needs it needs buy in from the fan base. And unfortunately, it doesn't get that everywhere. In Ireland, we seem to give it a good press. Generally, I think it's well covered. Um, I think the journalists cover it well. The media cover it well. Um, Scotland, I think, it, and again, it's it's re relatively good. The two teams are are fairly well supported there. But then you come to Wales, and 
I I just had a look before I came on tonight, even just to get a a view if I needed it, um, what their view on in terms of the South African teams coming in maybe next year. And um, all you ever get from Wales is we want to be in I League. You want to be in I League. You, you you could be bringing in the top fourteen from France in to play with us. We want to be in I League. So the, the league has always suffered from those kind of structural problems. And it's something that they've not been able to get over, no matter what way they've changed it, named it, and, and so on and so forth. Um, it, it's been a big issue. It's going to be a big issue. Um, and, you, you know, given the nature of, as I said, cross-border cross, uh, cross league, it's just difficult sell. Oh yeah, I mean it's a like I was being facetious reading out all those changes. I mean it just it just when I when I was doing the research, it just sounded funny. All those changes, each and every, we've been following each and every year, all along, and we've understood what the change was each time. I mean, the Italian league edition was great. The the going to playoffs was was great. Um, great. I didn't I didn't mind the South Africans coming in myself as well. It's just when you when you when you when, like you say it it kind of gives the opponents. To the league, who are also in the league, like you say, um, some ammunition to 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 say it's to, to talk about it's chopping and changing. What do you think, Connor? I think that the first thing they need to do is just a total rebrand. Fine, keep keep your title sponsors and start your title your your name with that, but you've got to call it something that no matter how you change it, in the next ten years you can keep the same name. Super Rugby got it right by calling it something that is just. You know, it, it, we're going to package this and we're going to sell it as that. And we're going to change conferences and we're going to add in Argentina. We're going to add in a team from Japan, but it's still going to be this. And, you know, Kevin's right, you know, you've, you've got to have an identity. Mm -hmm. when, when all these fellas sit down and talk and say, okay, this is what we want the league to be. Well, do that. Like, actually talk. If you had to put five words on what this league is going to be, pick your five words and then build a name around that. Build an identity for the competition so that you don't get this sense of who, who might we be playing, who could we, what, what's going on here, and how are we only getting that many games when you say there's 14 teams in the league, which is really, as you say, a team of 16. And it just gets very confusing, for, especially for the outsiders. An outsider, um, an, an outsider looking in will say, wait now, what's going on there? I'm... You know, you joke about being confused because we've been there and we've lived through it, so we know what's going on. But if you want to expand, if you want to get into an American market, if you want to get into, you know, pull in a Georgian team or whatever, it's got to be something that has an identity that people can buy into in the way that the Heineken Cup does, in the way that Super Rugby does, in the way that the Premiership does. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see the South Africans coming, if they come. And when they come is a big deal because they can't just show up halfway through the season and have no opportunity to be competitive for a title. I don't think that'll work. I think you need them from the beginning of a season. And I think it's really going to push, particularly Leinster. I think it'll be great for Leinster to have teams who they're not used to and will have to change and will have to adapt to because... We've got so used to playing the teams that we do play week in, week out, that you know we, we managed to go a full season last year undefeated by any of them. So that extra challenge will be really, really good for Leinster, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, in in some ways, you could say the uh, the pro that this particularly kind of epitomizes what rugby is because a lot of other competitions they kind of bend over backwards to model themselves on what soccer does. You, you know, you've had the English, they even call it the Premiership and, you know, they, they've, they, they, um, and they, they, they rebranded the Champions Cup to be like, they even called it pretty much the Champions League with a slightly mm -hmm. different name and the music and the sounds and all that kind of stuff. But the pro, the, the, this league, just because of the nature of it, you can't do that. It's a rugby competition that's because, because of the way rugby is, there's, there's four or five countries that need other countries to have that competition. So they have to work together and it's not, it's, it was, it's never going to be pretty, but it is what it is at the end of the day. And it, like Kevin said, you get your so many matches during the season. Well, what do you make Rich? It's, it, it is an identity issue. Mm. Um, what does it mean to a player to win the Pro 14, Pro 12, Pro 16, Celtic League, Magnus League. What does it mean? Mm. You ask a French player what it means to win that Boucle de Brennus, 
and he will be salivating. And, and, and that is, in and of itself is, is, is the point. You know, and, and this sounds awful, but I think for Leinster, the league is the Heine. That's the league. And the Pro 4 team, and with all due respect to all the other teams in it, and I know that last season we went undefeated and all, all the rest of the, the previous seasons, you know, we, we've lost it in the final against Con and, and, and everything else. So, you know, there is competition there. But I think the mindset is that this is the, 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 the testing ground for all the new lads. And I absolutely love watching Pro Team. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely love it. Simply because you get all the, all the young kids playing. And I, 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 I do love watching them play. Um, but how do we resolve... And there's a number of issues, and this is Leinster-centric, and, and this is the way that I'm approaching this. Leinster need more of a competitive edge throughout the league season to improve their development, moving into, I mean, what is the point of, I don't know, it was a ridiculous game against Zebra, but under normal circumstances, you can put the third string out, then they're going to win. Now, what, what, what does that benefit Leinster? For getting or putting setting aside what that benefits them. So, what I what I think is that if and I, I'm I'm not too keen about this trans hemispheric if that's even a word uh, addition of, of of the South African teams. Um, but but hey, you know it it is what it is. But so long as we're not talking about a level of play of the cheaters and the kings or Southern kings, whatever they were. You know, if we're talking about the real blue bulls and the real stormers, you know, and the real sharks, then you're talking a very competitive edge. So, so that resolves, I think, the competitive edge that, that Leinster would require. You know, like, like Connor said, you know, you, you're going to be meeting teams that you don't ordinarily meet. Um, and I thought that's what Cheetahs and um, Southern Kings were going to bring to the party, but clearly they didn't. You know, they, they, they were, uh, you know, they just added a bit of ballast and that was it to be honest, um, and they only were competitive against the less teams in the Pro 14. I'm an advocate of, and I don't know how this would, would sell, but I'm an advocate of keeping a European league, but perhaps expanding, you know, and, and this is the idea. The idea would be a, a, an amalgamation of the Pro 14 as is, without any, or Pro 12, without any South African teams, together with the Premiership in, the, in, in, in England, uh, but having a two-tier system with, with promotion, relegation, and, you know, the top teams in the, in the, the top tier make it to the, to the Heineken and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. I think, because to be honest, I mean, you know, the, the English may, may profess to have the best league in the world, but then again, they always profess to have the best of everything. Uh, the Premiership is not the best league in the world. They have a top four pretty decent teams, but, but the rest of the league, you know, if Leinster competed in the, in the Premiership, I think, without sounding too pretentious, I think we'd probably be knocking on the door of there or thereabouts every single season. Yeah. Uh, and, and probably making it to the final mm -hmm. most seasons. So it's, it's not that question of quality, but, but where do you add the Zebras of this world? Where do you, uh, where do you pitch them at? Because you, you want to watch you know, you can have a Zebre Gloucester match, and that will probably be relatively co uh, competitive. You know, well, Leicester nowadays, which is a, 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 a lot of rubbish at the moment. Uh, you know, if they played Benetton, I, I, I know who would win, and it wouldn't be Leicester. Mm. Uh, you know, because th that's the, the level of competitive edge. That's what I think, that, or rather, that, that's what my preference would be, uh, because it would retain the competitive edge for, for Leinster. It wouldn't necessitate having tours away from, from home or, you know, South African players pitching up. I mean, what motivation do the South African players have playing in, in, in our league? They can't play in the high note. Mm. So, you know, you, you've just come from, from measuring yourself up against All Blacks and Wallabies uh, and now you're going to play in the Pro 14, but you're only going to play in the Pro 14 because you're never going to make the high note, the high note uh, and play against the top sides in Europe. So what, what what is the motivation for those players? Yeah, I, I never understood that. So that, yeah, that, that that's my take on it. 
Yeah, you just wonder how the uh, how much engaged the South African fan base is going to be. I mean, when their teams are playing, they'll be fine. But I'd say if you took a poll amongst all of them, they'd be more interested in their 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 own local team in the Curry Cup and how they're going to do. And um, which you know, I can't blame them for that, really. Um, and when but it comes, you, you get the same in Wales. Yeah, yeah, you know, you yeah. you get fellas who are more interested in. The, the the league that they have locally rather than the um the the they don't call them provinces they call them um regions Region, yeah uh, yeah you, you, they, they become more interested in those teams than the regions and and you get the same problem and and you don't get the attendances and then you get them given out because oh well we don't have enough money to compete with the likes of whoever it's like yeah but you're not getting eighteen thousand people a game into your stadium fill your stadium and you'll have the money mm. yeah. and on the money the money is the thing i mean i think that's the that's the the devil behind all of this because it's uh, i mean the bottom line is is that the italians the fir they're paying a million is it a million a year to the league and same with the saru and uh, that's why they're trying to shoehorn in they're talking about the south african clubs coming over and play what 10 matches after christmas which won't count on the league i don't know what i don't know how they're going to yeah, do that but that's to justify getting the money um, that 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 goes to Celtic rugby, you know. So it's kind of a, it's 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 kind of a nasty. It's even uglier underbelly to 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 what we're seeing on the top. But it's just, but just like you say, if you have to do it, you see that right there, shoehorning in the Saravian teams. That that's a credibility issue right there again. Mm. And people who are detractors of the league will say, look at this mess and look what they're at. And it's purely down to money. I mean, you're better leaving them out for the whole season and then starting afresh with a new thing um, the following year. Um, now, it's like it's, 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 it is down to money. The Welsh don't have enough money. They're losing their young players to English academies. Um, they're struggling to retain, even with their rules for internationals, they, they do struggle to retain players. Um, so you, you have that. You have the Scots, again, they're st they lose their player, their star players. Um, so, I mean, the, the league does need to generate more money. Is bringing in the South Africans going to bring that extra cash? Um, my, my take on it is they won't come unless they get uh, into the Heineken Cup. I, I think that, that that's where they have to be at. It's not enough of a sell just to be playing Pro 14. It can't be. It's like mm. Richard said, where, where's the attraction? Mm. You, you know, um, I, I just don't see it for them unless they're getting access to Europe. And how would we all feel about, um, about South African sides joining the Heineken Cup? Possibly a Seven Welcome. Nations? <laughs> Gordon Darcy wasn't too happy with it today. Um, mm. He painted a pretty, pretty bleak picture. Um, Irish teams losing out to kind of South African teams, but you, you, you take their money, you take the chances, and yeah. it's it, it's up to us to kind of get our house in order and make sure we're competitive. And we that's, also we also took the CBC money as well, so it's kind of uh, they're, they're looking at it and seeing what uh, yeah. it's going to be down to. If they want big changes, we've kind of uh, signed signed our soul to the devil, as it were. I think we're going to end up with another situation where they start changing the format of the European Cup again. You know, we go from it being the Heineken Cup and then it's changed to suit other nations and suddenly we have the EPCR and then it's going to change again to suit other nations. And okay, yeah, the, the Irish teams will have to adapt to that and they'll have to develop and figure out how do we become competitive in it again now. Um, and and that's great and it's a good challenge and all, but if we're just going to keep changing things for the sake of a few million euros here and there, can we keep the integrity of these competitions? You know, I mean, the Heineken Cup is going on and on about, oh yeah, you know, we're, we're 25 years of this league. We're not 25 years of this. We're, what, four years of this and 21 years of something else before that. And you can't pretend that you are now what you were then because you've made two significant changes. Mm. Yeah. I think I saw these news last week, and they're looking for change again. You know, it's <laughs> the, in across the water. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, well, that's it. The the amount of change is directly proportional to the amount of times English teams win. So the the, the, the things I think statisticians have worked it out, and they found a relation between those two things. Like you know, it's uh, kind <laughs> yeah. of crazy. So we might we might have to go back to the drawing board again. But I suppose that the at the at the end of the day, like you you were saying, when it comes to Leinster rugby. 
I mean, whatever the competitions, whatever the whatever way it's structured, you know, a season comes along, Leinster have a string of games, and we look forward to seeing them. And we're kicking off this uh, this Friday evening, uh, kickoff time quarter past eight, which is uh, which is unusual. Yeah, um, home to the Dragons. Um, you think that's game. unusual? Wait till we get Monday night for rugby. I know, <laughs> I know, that's going to be mad. Um, it's uh, it's going to be going to be very strange. All right. So so listen, we'll we'll, f we'll finish off with a quick look ahead. I mean, it's the season is still it's a long season. Um, this one that if this one had gone as it as it was supposed to, it was going to be the longest ever. It's going to go right to the end of June. Uh, but now we've got next year. We've got a Lions tour and everything coming on the end the end of the season. So there's only so much we can say about how we can see this season's going to go. But looking at it from a Leinster point of view, given how last season went, the high the long highs and then the low right at the very end. What what kind of expectations would we have for the for this season? Just jump in, anyone. My worry, um, I felt we came back from the lockdown flat, um, and I want to see the coaches, you know, get the players going again, get them motivated. Um, uh, I mean, the Saris loss, and I said it in the piece I wrote for you, Jeff. It wasn't a total surprise to me because, uh, I mean, we were lucky against Munster the first in the first game to a degree. Um, we took our chances and kind of deserved to win a, a bit. But and in the semi-final, if JJ had made his kicks, it was a different game. Um, we, we we need to get up to intensity levels again. Um, my, my anticipation is that they will do that. They will have a, a look at what happened um, in the, that block of games and um, you know and and make the necessary changes. Um, as ever with me, what I want to see in the, the season is a couple more new names coming through, a couple more guys to get excited about whilst winning the league. Connor? Um, I'd agree with a lot of that, yeah. Um, great to see, always good to see new names coming through and, and fellas who you know, I, I didn't know existed three months ago, suddenly being fellas who are going, oh yeah, I saw him play a couple of weeks back and he's great, uh, let's, let's see more of him. Um, I would very much like to see us push on to a final again in Europe. Um, I can't see any reason why we wouldn't getting to a final in the pro insert number here um, and we we should be we should be at the final stage there um obviously cup rugby at that stage so you can, i'm not going to predict anything for that but um i think a, a final in europe should be the minimum target for europe this year i think as Kevin said, we came back flat. Saracens had had games. They'd had time to build up and remind themselves of the intensity of big matches. Um, you know, the, none of those matches mattered to them, but they had opportunity to build. And those matches mattered to other teams. And that's why they then matter to anybody. So you get that intensity. And I'm not saying our last couple of games didn't matter, but I, I agree with Kevin, we were not at the, the same intensity, the same level, the same, the same push, and it took them fourteen minutes to suddenly realize, oh yeah, we can be intense, we can be, you know, we we can push on harder than this, and um, I, I want to see that second half intensity the whole way through the season. Okay, Rich. Yeah, totally agree with all of that. Um, the, the reaction that, that I want from them uh, and what I'm looking moving forward, uh, apart from seeing some more of the young fellas coming through because they, they really do give me a lift. Uh, <laughs> some of them are um, unbelievable athletes. Uh, but what I want to see um, is a seething, smouldering anger in their play, a ruthlessness in their play and intensity in their play. Uh, I heard uh, Stuart Lancaster's interview, was it yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, when he was talking about the injuries, but then they, they, they asked him about the Saracens game. You can see it in him. He is livid. Uh, sadly, the players didn't pitch up for, the, for that first 40 minutes. And he, he says this quite, quite clearly. Um, I, you know, I, I thought that our intensity, and I'm, I'm not going to blame COVID. I mean, there's far worse things as, that, that have happened as a result of COVID, like many deaths and many uh, sick people. But, you know, just using the, the lockdown, uh, I have to agree, we didn't come back as we ought to have done. 
had we played Saracens in April, whenever it was, would we have beaten them? I think probably yes, because we would have had that intensity going into that, just post uh, Six, Six Nations, Nations, whatever yeah. would have happened. Uh, you know, because I think it was scheduled to happen a couple of weeks after the end of the Six Nations or something mm -hmm. like that. So you've got people who are already playing at the highest level, coming back into a club situation, playing at the highest level. But with that intensity, probably angry because we got beat by England again. Uh, so, so all of that goes into the melting pot. So in terms of expectations of the team, I want to see that anger. I want to see um, them do well, obviously. Um, and I would expect them to, at the very least, get to a European final, yes. Yes. Uh, Pro 14, 16, whatever it is, it is going to be, uh, you know, God knows. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't like them to win it at a canter because then that tells me that there isn't any competition. Uh, you know, they need to be tested. They need to be tested. You don't learn a lot running in six tries against mm. a team and leaking only one. Mm. I think the, the, the game where was it 96 points scored total against uh, between themselves and Ulster yeah. and I think in the second half there was that sense of geez, lads, we, we can't just run away with this like people are actually going to fight back a little bit so mm. how do we stop and, and I think they learned more conceding those four tries than scoring the other eight yeah yeah I mean it's uh, it's almost like a groundhog day of a campaign when you think of it because you, you you know you talk about the intensity needed to beat Saracens, but um, it's almost like that entire perfect season up to that point was born out of the loss to Saracens, mm -hmm. and um, they were gunning for them again, like in their minds. But it's just when they came to play them again, they they, they just didn't have it, and they hadn't had a chance to repair. I mean, it'd be all very well to say, well, just play like pretend you're playing Saracens every week, but you can't do that. You can't do that when the quality isn't there, like you know. But um, it's uh, it's just a it's it's just a tough one to say. But listen, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up on maybe a go around Giselle, and uh, maybe you could pick one player. We haven't we haven't gotten we've no new imports coming in. We've few going out, but we we're, we're basically going with the squad that we had, um, you know, uh, over the last few weeks of last season. So there's a lot of youngsters there that might be feeding into the squad. Is there is there one name or maybe an existing name? What 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 kind of player do you think is ready to make a big big impact this season? Bed. Ryan Bed. Yep. And he wear green this season, I think. Yep. Okay. Kevin? Just kind of coming from further back. I like to look at Charlie Ryan for the under twenties. I think he's a good, powerful athlete. Kind of like Baird. He might be a year behind, but I think mm. he could see he could see games this year. Okay, Connor. Um, aside from wanting to see Dan Levy back, mm. um, I think one of the players certainly we're going to depend on a lot this year. I think um, Kieran Frawley, who yeah, again a bit like we were talking about Ferg earlier, you know that versatility he has is going to really pay for us this year um, because. When you're missing players for Six Nations and Autumn competitions that I can't remember the name of and mm -hmm. all these other things, he, he's going to be one of those names that steps in. And I think as someone who's come from the club background rather than the school's background, I'm, I'm excited to see that kind of... Uh, I, I'm excited to see him deliver again. Yeah. Can I, can I just add, yeah. I, I'd like to see a bit more Harry Byrne as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he's got a, a high skill set. Um, um, I love Ross Byrne. He's brilliant at what he does. I, I, I think Harry has the capability or the skills to maybe go a step further than Ross. And I'd like to see him give him more exposure this year. Yeah, but Kieran going to 12, I mean, it looks like he's going to kind of fit into that role. So that'll definitely give Harry more game time. Um, and, you know, Ross, Ross will be probably going to international setups as well. So uh, there's a lot of opportunities there. And on, on, on Ryan Baird, definitely. Uh, the, the thing I say about him is that we, there was a lot of talk and it's true that since the COVID, Scott Fardy's form um, wasn't maybe wasn't as good as it, it could have been. But what we're going to see, it's it, we don't just have uh, a talent in Ryan Baird coming up to the Leinster team. We've got a Ryan Baird that's played with Scott Fardy uh, week in, week out training. And I think that's going to be immense for him. Like whatever, whatever, 
any more he does on the pitch now for us, Scott, um, you, you still can't measure what um, the, just the influence his being in that squad has been. And um, it, 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 there's definitely a lot of, uh, lot, of, lot of great prospects out there for this season. Um, so listen. It's what something Leinster have done well in picking players who will come in, not just to be good players, but good mentors mm. and encourage younger players. Uh, and you see it in guys like Isa, and you're seeing it again in Scott Fardy and how he's yeah. building younger players. Yeah, can, can I add one more thing I'd like to see improved yeah. this year? Um, and I'm sorry to, to go on. The set piece needs to improve significantly, be yeah. it mall, be it scrum, be it line out. Significant improvement needed there. They'll get nowhere near Saracens unless that improves. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we won't we won't talk too much about the scrums, but um, it was uh, that that was that was definitely a key key element to there. But no, we definitely need working on set piece. I'm sure. Just seven days before, we were worrying about the lineouts, and uh, and it was just uh, it, it, it's one thing one thing to another each week. So there's it's in a way it's good that there is work to be done, but um, they just got to make sure that they do shore up those areas and keep keep the others keep the others uh, where they should be. Well, listen, lads. That was a great. That was a great chat. Thanks again for that. Um, uh, we're we're all set for the new season now, and we'll hope to have you on again throughout the season to um, to talk a bit more about uh, Leinster rugby. Um, so we'll just say we'll we'll finish up by going around with all your Twitter handles handles. If anyone wants to um, give you a shout on the Twitter machine, Connor, you're CC Boons. That's me. That's right. Yeah, and uh, Richard, you're Rich Miff, is it? At Rich Miff, yeah. Yep, at Rich Miff. And uh, you're, um, Kevin, you're at KMJOB73. Is that right? That's actually changed. Um, that's, oh, okay. I had problems with that account. I'm actually at John Shine 89 no I problem. have to invent accounts to get back on Twitter. For some oh, there you go. Uh, you're too, yeah. probably too much given out now. You're probably, you're probably, uh, probably banned, banned from the Twitter. You don't have to, we don't have to do much to get blocked these days no, um, no. on the Twitter machine and the Facebook and also, um, you know, okay, listen, I'll put all your links there in the, in the program notes for the pod and who wants to give you a shout. And uh, listen, lads, again, thanks very much and we'll have you on again and best of luck. We hope we'll have a good, another good season. Okay, thanks again, lads. Lovely. Thanks, thanks guys. Take care. See you guys. See you. Bye. Thanks for sticking with us right to the end, and thanks again to Connor, Richard, and Kevin for the chat. We'll be giving Leinster's season opener with the Dragons all the usual coverage, tweeting throughout on at Harpen on Rugby, and opening a forum for you to leave your thoughts on our Facebook page right after the full-time whistle. Then on Monday, I'll post my final thoughts in our match write-up, which you'll find on the website harpenonrugby.net. And in the meantime, we'll have all our regular features, like the front five stories from around the rugosphere every morning, as well as a list of upcoming rugby on Irish TV every Thursday. So until next time, stay safe, everyone. Slán.